You are listening to episode 285 on University of Adversity. We're told that sex is bad through various organizations, whether they be some religious, some non-religious. But then we're also subliminally and, and also unconsciously fed um, sexual innuendo every day of our lives through, through media and through other modalities, right? Mm. Sex isn't something that's spoken to generally openly you know, in your household, you, you don't have to, it's healthy to be sexually virile, to be attracted to other people. It's healthy to have a connection to your sexuality, to express yourself through sexuality, to, to meet another human body. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today's guest, we have love and relationship coach, masculine and feminine expert, Stefanos Stefandos. This guy's the real deal, ladies and gentlemen, and I highly recommend you go follow him on Instagram. He's got a ton of good information. He posts great videos and very, very valuable for all things trauma, addiction, and navigating through that world. In this episode, we cover Stefanos' story through trauma, addiction, what that looked like and how he's healing through it and how he's helping others heal. We talk about male sexual behavior, why we do the things we do in the world that we're in, escaping the present moment through different diversions and, you know, why, you know, what is actually happening and just having the awareness of that. And also we talk about death. We, we unpack what it is, why people are scared and give you a new perspective on that. So buckle up. It's a great episode. Take notes if you need to. Stefanos is full of information. And the funny story is I used to follow him on my old Instagram account before it got hacked in February. And then I wasn't following him. And then he ended up being a coach for our final summit in Fit for Service in Sedona. If you go back to our episode, I talk about the masculine and feminine workshop we did that everybody was in tears. It was super powerful. But then he was the coach. And he's always somebody I wanted to get on the show before. I kind of forgot about him. And then now he's back and I'm following him. And now he's on the show. So enjoy guys. If you are listening to this, please subscribe wherever you are listening to it. And if you can, please leave us a review on Apple. Really helps. If you feel called to do so, I'd really appreciate it. We're also available on YouTube. If you want to go and watch that there, we're available. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Here we go. Stefanos, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Really excited to connect with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. We, um, so as I say in the intro, a lot of us, like I, when we were in Sedona, we got to do an amazing workshop with you and your wife. And that was super powerful. And I've talked about it on this podcast before. And mm. I had Anahata on here and I actually had Anahata as the woman that we, I was working with during that. And it was really, really powerful. So mm. I, um, yeah, man, I, I really it was really, really impactful just to see, you know, the, the emotional response from everybody and just like how deep that really hit. And it was so unexpected. So thank you for that. And I really want to get into all that. Um, but first I would love to know, like, how did you get into all of this stuff? Like, how did you become a love and relationship coach masculine and feminine expert like how did that even start 
I think like most of us, man, we're, we're gravitated towards areas of our own lives that we feel we need to heal and that we feel we need to delve deeper into. And so relationships and intimacy and understanding polarity or understanding the differences between men and women and understanding the, the differences and separation and also similarities within self was something that was very important to me from a young age because I felt so isolated as a kid. I experienced a great deal of volatility and violence and abuse growing up. Um, but there was also love that was there as well. And it was very confusing as a, as a boy, but also then as a, as a teenager and as a young man. And it was very difficult for me to emotionally self-regulate, but also to understand what my needs were and then how to express them. And so I just really reverted to, as a, as a later teenager and, and young adult, really reverted to anger and, and rage and violence because I, I grew up with that and that was familiar for me. But what that also did was create a chasm in my relationships, in how I spoke to myself, my internal self-dialogue. And, and you know, it was a lot of, it was full of self-hate. Was always angry at myself for not doing the right thing or not getting it right or not being perfect or not winning or whatever it was, right? not making enough money, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it was as a, as a man that I was experiencing, you know, not being successful enough, not having the status, um, not having the access to resources. And so I would have this very, very harsh inner self-critic that also projected outward. So I judge myself very harshly and I would judge others very harshly. And that created uh, chasms and rifts in my relationships, particularly my intimate relationships. And it was very, very difficult for me to really open my heart up and, and be, um, be vulnerable and real with what I wanted. So I just, I, I hid in, in, in shadows. You know, I, I learned that from my father I saw that in, in the behavior between my parents. They were always hiding from each other and hiding things from each other and then always arguing and also being very tense with each other. And I thought that's, that's what a relationship is. Now, I didn't think that consciously, but in my nervous system, that's what it was. And so, you know, quote unquote, failed relationship after failed relationship, but not so much the relationship starting and then ending. That wasn't the failure. The failure was that I was making the same choices over and over again. I was stuck in the same pattern. And that pattern was me not being honest in the relationship, me hiding in the relationship, me being hyper emotionally aggressive in the relationship. It was just all these different patterns of how I was showing up was the same in every relationship. And, and there was a level of superficiality there as well and ego and, and sex compulsion and, and love addiction, so to speak, and validation outside of myself and all of these things that I wasn't looking at that was causing me to not really live a very enjoyable life that I was then trying to mask with short-term gratification, whether it was mm. pornography or prostitution or making quick money or traveling or whatever it was to distract me from looking at my wounds and my trauma that, I, that was just left unaddressed and unconscious, but was still permeating my existence and also impacting my internal mindset, my mindscape and my heart. I had so much armor over my heart. And so for me, man, it was a very, I mean, long's a relative term, but it was a long journey back to coming into recognizing my wholeness. And that meant that I had to give up a lot of the distractions and the numbing, which I mentioned, you know, alcohol was another one, um, you know, getting involved with very shady people and, 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 and gangs and violence and all of that shit. And really, yeah putting that aside, you know, like I was talking to a, a client the other day and I was sharing some of my, my past with him. And he said, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even know that was, you, you don't appear that way now. Yeah. And I said, yeah, well, I'm not that way now, but I've also come from very deep contrast. 
Um, and that's been a blessing. Like it wasn't at, at that time, it wasn't. But when I look back, it was because it's given me access to parts of myself. I never would have had the, the opportunity or the resilience or the know-how of how to access without those very intense experiences that I also had that weren't, you know, socially accepted. So I had to really go deeper into my shadows. And so it's a longer way of saying I'm here where I'm at because I need to, we often teach what we need to learn the most. And, and that's mm. why I'm here. And, you know, I've coupled that with formal education, you know, in, in behavioral science and psychology, um, in, in the mind, in, in trauma-informed therapy and all of that. Um, but what's given me the, the, the greatest richness in my life and why I do what I do now is because it fascinates me personally. It has affected me personally, such a visceral level that um, I find that the more I teach, explore, express experience with others, the more I'm able to access myself. So ipso facto, it's a little selfish, <laughs> but, yeah. but also in a, in, a, in a healthy way because I also want to give that back to people, you know, give people what I didn't have, mm. which was safety and security and a foundation and, and to just be okay to make mistakes and, and mess up and, and be you, you know, give per- people that permission, not that I'm a permission king, but just to create safety. I never had that safety as a kid and it really affected every area of my life. Mm. And so that's, that's really, you know, why I, I do what I do now is, is to, it's safety, man. We all need to feel safe enough to explore the parts that we, of ourselves that we don't like or that have that bring us pain in order to move through that pain. Dude, I can resonate with that so much with, with your story and what I've gone through as well. And being where I'm at now and looking back, <laughs> it's crazy to think about you know, the journey and like how much I've learned through, you know, all the toxic behavior, through all the pain, through loss. But I feel like it was all part of it. I had to go through that. I had to do that because I feel like our purpose, like for me, I'm realizing my purpose is to help people go th- that are going through those hard times. And if you don't go through them yourself, you're never going to learn how to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And where, where I always find it fascinating is the awareness of when you realize like, shit, I need to make a change here. Like this is not going, to, like, I can't keep going like this. And usually it's either, I don't know, rock bottom somewhere, whether you're thrown in jail or whether you're, you get your ass kicked or I don't know. But when was the point where you were like, fuck, this has to change now or my life is, is not going to be in a good place? I want to say something and I'll, I'll come to that. It was a number of years ago, about seven years ago where that point was really, and I had many points leading up to that, but I ignored them. But the one mm. that I, I, I heard the calling, like I really heard the calling and made change was about, about seven years ago, mm. um, six, six or seven years ago. It, it feels like an eternity away, but it also <laughs> isn't that long ago. Um, but I want to say something to what you said about the, the, the going through our own journey in order to relate to others. You know, it's, you know, uh, in shamanic traditions, the healer and the sufferer conjoin together to journey through the trauma where the shaman healer deeply, or, you know, the teacher, the coach, whatever you want to call them in modern, you know, the psychotherapist, whatever supports this releasing of terror in a profound and liberating way. And they're able to do that because they've gone there themselves. Mm. You know, like they've, they've, they've swam the treacherous waters of trauma 
themselves. They've been through, they've overcome their own demons and darkness. And, you know, when I was in, in, that, in that time, which I'll mention a moment ago, and various times after that as well, a um, couple of deep, deep times after that, 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 that moment six, seven years ago, I, I said to myself, I'm either going to commit suicide because it's too overwhelming. I'm going to end up in a mental asylum because I just, I'm not going to be able to take this or I'm going to get through this and I'm, I'm going to hopefully inspire others to help them realize that there's a way through. Mm. And what I found in today's world, sadly that, you know, modern clinicians, psychotherapists, teachers, coaches, whatever, they've been in such avoidance of their own pain their own shadows and they haven't moved through their own shattering rebirthing processes themselves and they're numb and i was that person for so long i was so intellectual i was so in my head i was so able to have the answers for everyone but i wasn't doing it for myself i wasn't integrated and embodied man and and that's that's we're missing a lot of that particularly i mean particularly men but we're, we're missing a lot of that in today's world and so to answer your question directly it, in a short way that for me that moment was a number of years ago when I was in a relationship with a woman and I really, I did really deeply care about her and I expressed that in a very, you know, traumatic, weird, um, absurd way because I was coming from my wounding, you know, I was coming from pain and I was, I was cheating in that relationship. I was massively unfaithful, prostitution, all of that stuff. And she discovered that and I didn't even tell her. She discovered that. I didn't even have the courage to tell her. I was getting there. I was thinking about it. I'm thinking, what am I actually doing in my life? And, but I'd ignore it. I'd just ignore it and go, oh, this is normal. But that, 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 that's not normal, man. That level of deceit and dishonesty is not normal. It's not healthy for the individual. And it's not healthy for the relationship and everyone else that's in your life. Because it does have a follow-on effect, a knock-on effect to every other area of your life. And it did for me. My businesses were burnt build. I was volatility in every area and every expression of my life. And when she found that out and I saw the, the, the pain in her face and in her body and how she collapsed and all the emotions that she went through, this massive shame came flooding back to me from my childhood that I'd suppressed for so long. And I felt such intense, such intense shame for my actions that I couldn't actually suppress them anymore. And in, the, in that moment, I remember the day as if it was yesterday, I said, I have to shift or I've got to die trying. I can't keep doing this. I can't be, be this person. This is not who I actually am. What am I running from? And that's when I really lent all the way in and I said, fuck it. Like I, I'm free falling. I'm jumping off the, the cliff. I'm, I'm, I'm diving into the dark waters. I don't know what's there, but I'm, I'm just, I'm all in. And that's, that's when I did that. And that's what it, that was the turning point for me. And that and it's been a you know journey since then. And a lot's transpired. Like I I really fast tracked that journey because I, I I gave up my businesses, I went into massive debt, I nearly bankrupt um in order to to try and you know come out of that debt. Um lost deep friendships, spent a lot of time in isolation and solitude deliberately, um, went through multiple dark nights of the soul. Um, had people around me like teachers and shamans and spiritual healers and coaches. And that's one of the reasons why I furthered my debt because I was living on credit and I was persistent to do anything and everything it took um, it, within myself and also seek support because I knew I couldn't do it on my own because I had been doing it on my own, you know, and whenever I wasn't on my own, it was all su always superficial, but this was really a lean in. And 
it, it was a game changer for me, man. It, it, it shifted my life. And I, again, I spent so much money, you know, more than well over six figures on, on my healing. And it all contributed. It all contributed to who I was. But ultimately, it was me sitting with me for lengthened periods of time um, and really making some big decisions around, you know, who I wanted to be in the world. Uh, dude, it's, it's, it's so important to do that healing and it costs money. Sometimes it costs a lot of like deep, painful moments. And I, um, I'm kind of right in the middle of it too. And it's just been, it's never easy, man. The waves that come and what you learn about yourself and, you know, the people that you got to let go sometimes and, you know, the things you got to face your shadow. And, you know, what I, what I wanted to ask you is around sexual, like addiction to sex and addictions in general are based through trauma, right? And what I, what I always wonder is that in a society now where porn and, you know, sexual activity, you know, men, men are usually pretty aggressive, you know, sexually, like there's just a lot of that. And I've been somebody my whole life that's always been very sexual and, you know, gravitated towards that being an athlete or working in the bars for many years. And I've always wondered, like, why is that? Is that, does, and then I started to learn about, you know, how people have addictions and whether it's based in trauma or not. But I'm like, I don't remember any sort of trauma happening to me, mm. but how do we know whether it's, we're just kind of like conditioned men or we have some sort of hidden trauma that we don't know of from who knows when. That's kind of what I'm trying to unpack now too is even in relationships because I've gone through a lot of the same stuff that you're talking about. That's why it's crazy. It's like, wow, this is exactly, this. I can relate to this. But I'm trying to, you know, at the same time, be, be kind with myself and be like, you're normal. Like this is normal. But at the same time, like, is it? Is there something that needs to get uncovered through plant medicine or whatever? Like, how did you unpack that? Did you go through some sort of trauma that led to that? Or how does that even unfold for somebody? Yeah, it's, it's complex, man, because our society, Western society particularly, it's very, it's very confusing when it comes to sexuality, both female and male sexuality. Mm. And just human sexuality full stop can be very, very confusing in the world we live in. We're told that sex is bad through various organizations, whether they be some religious, some non-religious, but then we're also subliminally and, and also unconsciously fed um, sexual innuendo every day of our lives through, through media and through other modalities. Right. Mm. Sex isn't something that's spoken to generally openly, you know, in your household. You you don't have to. So having, it's healthy to be sexually virile, to be attracted to other people. Yeah. It's healthy to have a connection to your sexuality, to express yourself through sexuality, to to meet another human body, whether it be in the, the act of physical sex or whether it be some form of sexual expression between you. But we're also not shown how to be ourselves. Sex isn't in a silo. It's not isolated. 
yes, there's a physical act of sex, but there is so much more that comes from that. But this, these feelings of um, needing to be safe consciously and unconsciously, emotional expression, getting to know someone at various levels of construct, whether it be their interests and their values, whether it be their history and their dreams, whether it be exploring their physical body. Like we're not really told and taught how to do this in a way that respects another person's sovereignty mm. and ourselves. I'm not going to say pornography is bad or good. No, actually, I will. Let me come back. Mainstream pornography, the way it's disseminated in the world, it's not healthy. Mm. And it influences very young minds, males and females, to have an idea of what sex is when it's not really like that. Pornography is acting. It's like fucking Hollywood. Yeah. It's not, it's not real per se. There are elements of it that are real. But the mainstream pornography has done, and it's not the only cause. Let me be very clear on that. We lack sex education in our education systems. Yeah, totally. We lack sex education in our homes because our, generally our, our parents are overwhelmed socioeconomically, generally speaking, right? right. Um, they don't have an intimate connection themselves. They're still coming from shadow and wounding and unaddressed trauma. Like there's, lo- there's so many, there's a complex fucking question that you've asked. <laughs> like it's not as simple as, hey, and I'm not a reductionist. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll try and make the complex simple. I'll do my best to do that, you know, yeah. but I'm not, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a big fan of reductionism because mm. the reductionist approach also loses, and in some instances it's valuable, but it also, in most of the time, it loses the essence and the substance of what we're speaking to to bypass a quick solution, which is a direct linear masculine energetic. Mm. Nothing wrong with having a linear masculine energetic. It applies in some areas of life, in some circumstances, and it doesn't in others. And exploring very complex notion, notions such as our own sexuality and sexual expression, it not, it's not going to have a constant place. Mm. And so we're talking about sexuality, right? And we're talking about being seen witness. And we're talking about addictions. Like how do you know if you have a love compulsion? And how do you know if you have a, um, uh, you know, a love addiction and so forth? And so... You know, if you're, if, and this is a really, really powerful, powerful question. And, and, and so let me, let me, let me go into this uh, a little deeper, but, but first let me, let me go into the addictions, right? Because the, the addiction aspect of things, we form addictions because we're trying to fill a void. Right. And so let me, let me, let me say that. Let me say that again. We, we create addictions in our lives because we're trying to substitute for not feeling the fullness of being loved or not experiencing belongingness, not feeling wanted. Now that may not just be our physical selves. That may be our ideas. When we ask a question about sexuality to our parents or our teachers, and we've been shunned for that, We've interpreted that in a particular way and it's then come out and leaked out in a particular way. That could be addiction to pornography or masturbation. 
It could be massive judgments. It could be only seeing self in a particular way or only being, being very rigid in sexuality. So the, the, the range of our sexual expression is very limited. But addictions essentially are a way to make ourselves feel whole or recognize our wholeness. It's to, to sort of heal this fracture that we have within ourselves that's not actually there, but we perceive it to be there. And we try to find reprieve and, and reconcile these disowned parts of ourselves. And so from that perspective, it can be really fucking intense. Addictions can be really intense. And what do we generally do when we have intense addictions? Well, guess what? We have to generally um, have intense experiences that counteract the intense addiction, right? And so if we talk about sexual compulsion or sexual addiction, how do we know if you have that addiction? Well, let's look at, let's, let's look at some of the areas that you may be showing up in consistently or in a frequent way. And this was very much me that led me to believe mm, I have a love compulsion here. Like I am seeking validation outside of myself through sex, through varied sexual encounters. If you masturbate multiple times a day, now let me be very clear on something as well. Like one or two of these or whatever on their own is something like, it's like uh, okay. It could be okay. And it's not about, oh, you definitely have a sexual compulsion or a sexual addiction if this, this, and that. Mm. No, but guess what? If you have many of these variables or these activities that you're engaging in or, or that you are reliant on them, you are hyper-reliant, you can't thrive or you can't function healthily without them, then maybe it's telling you that you are leaning on this too much mm. and you're losing your truth you're losing part of who you are so if you masturbate multiple times a day as an example um you can't orgasm without pornography you often cheat on your partners you use sex to self-soothe to feel better about yourself you may be lying about how often you desire sex or how often you're having sex um you only befriend others with an intention to maybe have sex um you manipulate others to have sex with you. you. You know, so sex manipulation are really tied hand in hand. Um, you can only feel close to someone through sex. Um, you use sexual intimacy as the only intimacy you can connect to because there's various types of, there's various types of intimacy, you know, at least about 10 or 11, you know, we can develop intimacy through challenge and difficulty, like sharing a challenge and difficulty together. You know, that's why, uh, uh, sports teams and elite, you know, even soldiers, for example, they, they really bond, they bond over adversity. You can emotionally connect and so forth. You can connect over being parents or sharing similar values. You can connect over, um, uh, observing and being in awe and gratitude of aesthetics, like an art gallery. You can develop intimacy over that appreciation, you know? Um, so intimacy comes in varied forms. Um, Sometimes if you're using sex as a bargaining chip, again, this is this, this over-reliance, this over-focus on sexuality. Or if maybe you're keeping score about of, of how many sexual partners you're with or you're comparing in sexuality. So there's some, some ways to sort of get into understanding if you have um, a sexual issue, so mm. to speak. I think, dude, that's so powerful. And I just think I wanted to open up that question because I know it's kind of like the elephant in the room that people don't like yeah. to talk about. And women yeah. too. Women oh, too, yeah. man. Like you yep. look at something like Pornhub, it's fucking crazy, man. Like it's, it's like it's there and everyone's like, oh, I don't do that. I don't, I don't watch that. 
And it's, it's just, and these dating apps too. It's just like, I just find myself like, okay, what am I doing here? Like I'm diverting from what I want to do for some sort of yeah. like weird validation. I don't yeah. really care. Like, you know, not to sound insensitive or like an asshole, but you know, sure. sometimes on these apps, it's like, I don't really care. It's like, I'm not going to talk to many of these people that I'm matching with, but it's like some weird sort of validation that I'm getting. And then it's a distraction. And, I'm, and then I ask myself, like, what the fuck am I even doing? And then, you know, there's times where I get rid of it. And I know that a lot of people go through the same thing, the same hamster wheel of like, is this actually what I want to do? Is this, is this, is this healthy or is this like a diversion? Yeah. Right? People need to like distract themselves from what they have to do. Man, I, 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 I'll share a story with you, a quick one. I remember when I was at university and I was studying at university and I would be studying and my attention span was generally short and my ability to focus, which isn't very much in, in my, I wasn't very much in my healthy masculine was very challenging for me. And in between my studies, I would just go on, you know, whatever porn hub or whatever it was. I can't even remember what it was back. Red tube. Maybe I could have been on that as well. <laughs> and, and I would just masturbate and then go back to my study. And I would do that often and think nothing of it. And I'd be in relationship or I wouldn't be in relationship, irrelevant if I was or wasn't, right? And I would literally just do that. And in that moment, I justified it. But when I look back, I couldn't be with myself. I couldn't sit there studying something. And I was really interested in the shit that I was studying. I mean, I shouldn't say the shit I was studying. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> the material I was observing, you know what I mean? Like, it was fucking interesting. It's going to where I am today, you know, psychology, philosophy, all of that. It's amazing stuff. But I just, I was just always running, always numbing, always quick fix. Mm. And when I look at the underlying pattern of that, it was because to go really deep here was I was, I was always trying to escape the present moment because generally as a child, the present moment was very volatile and, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know if I was going to get smacked next, get hit next, get thrown against the wall next, get screamed at next, get told I was wrong next. Like I didn't know that. And so it was this constant, how can I feel good? How can I feel good? This hyper hedonistic pursuit of pleasure. Mm. And, and I had to peel that back, but I couldn't peel all that back until I really sat with these feelings and really allowed myself to grieve, grieve my trauma, grieve my past, grieve my parents, grieve my childhood, grieve, just grieve shit that I've been suppressing. Mm. And that's a process, man. And we don't, and it, we will, we will not unpack our lives and the elements and aspects of our lives without sitting in our stuff. We have to sit in our stuff. We have to feel our feelings. We cannot feel free without feeling our feelings. Simple as that. Doesn't matter who you are, man, woman, doesn't matter how you identify as. You have a fucking limbic system. You have a functioning nervous system. You have a heart. You're in relationship with yourself, with someone, with others, with friends, whatever. You have to feel your stuff. Because as simple as that. And we're also not really taught how to do that in a healthy way. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like, how do we do that? How does somebody do that? That's, that's maybe, you know, I talk about this stuff a lot, you know, shadow, or I talk about, you know, you know, loving your, your darkness, but yeah. how does somebody sit in that? What do they do? With, with, with pain and difficulty, yeah. with, with great challenge to be, I mean, there's no, there's no real shortcut. 
Like yeah. that's, that's the thing. There's no real shortcut. You remember the story I shared with you at, in Sedona about where God, the divine, the universe, whatever, put the, the mysteries and the secrets of the universe? Yeah. The cosmos. I, remember that I, story I, vaguely? Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and so the, the essence of that story essentially is the, the divine, the universe, just take it for what, what it is without going too deeply into mm. the existential curiosity of the actual story and the symbolism of it. But essentially... God placed the mysteries of the cosmos in stillness, in solitude, in, in being in silence. Because when we sit with our stuff, that's where the, the, the only way through suffering is to suffer. The only way through the pain is to feel the pain. You know, be, be the bison that moves into the eye of the storm to move through it quicker. That's the paradox, right? And so we have to sit with it and... Be the bison that fucking huddle together. There'll be times where you need support. You need a coach. You need a therapist. You need a friend. You need a teacher. You need a guide. You need a, you need a, a faith, something to believe in, to hold on to. Mm. And there'll be times where you need to do it on your own, where you're going to catch yourself in the storm by yourself and you either die, you numb, or you thrive. Numbing is, you know, alcohol, workaholism, drugs sexual addictions, food, you know, chasing the sun, whatever, you know, filling the gap, whatever you're avoiding. Mm. The how is just sit in it. We've got to do it. And yeah, it's painful. And and I avoided that for so long. And it's not all about doom and gloom. It's not all about, oh, living your shadow for all of your life. Fucking no way. That's Mm. not, that is not us living in our higher selves. It's just a, Happiness is a tool. It's a construct. It's a state, just like sadness is as well. But we, we run and we gravitate towards happiness. And then when we don't have it, by contrast, we, we, we learn we, we don't have it. We have sadness or anger. Then we try to run back to happiness. But, but the anger and the sadness gives context to the happiness. And it's there to teach us something. And again, the paradox is the, the, the more we surrender to it, accept it, not move in resignation or apathy, but the moment we actually accept and go, oh, what's this? Not, not even what is it here to teach me? That's an afterthought. Not even what's the grand lesson or the micro lesson. That's an afterthought. Can I just sit in it? Mm. Because we get scared because the brain gets, because we're in an undesirable place. So we're releasing stress hormone in the body. You know, you know the, the adrenaline's pumping through, the cortisol's pumping through, our amygdala's on fire and active, and we're in all the other parts of the, the brain and body that are preparing for something dangerous to happen or, or some level of difficulty is future projecting. Well, we can't stay here too long because we have to deal with this now because what if it stays forever? That's gonna, we can't deal with that. That's, that's, we're going to get fucked up. We're going to die. So we have this grave fear of our mortality as well, and that's another conversation. But if we can just relax in that, and this has been very true for me and with the people that I work with, when, when we're able to just relax in that, this deep revealing and revelation comes through this deep understanding and release and relief comes through us. And then, then that's when the insight happens. That's when the space is created. That's when we get to consciously then choose a new way of being neurologically, behaviorally, relationally, emotionally. That's when we begin to shift. That's where we begin to become empowered because now we're not fragmenting ourselves. We're not avoiding what's inconvenient and painful but embracing the whole of who we are. Now we get to do that for others. Now we get 
to stop playing out the old patterns of disconnection relationship or not trusting or being a people pleaser or being hyper aggressive to create gap because you don't want people to get too close to see you because you don't want, you have a fear that they're going to judge you or reject you or discriminate against you because you're doing that yourself. And when you stop doing that within yourself and you just embrace all of that, which you are, you're able to do that for others. I had that revelation in California at the end of 2018 on my driveway in Encinitas when I, I deeply realized at a visceral level that I had been du- judging myself so fucking harshly all my life that I would judge others and I would demand so much of them and they would dislike me for it. And I would have to maintain that persona. So I'd have to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more aggressive. And guess what? I push people away more and more and more and more. And that judgment piece comes from so many different places. Primarily, though, it comes from not accepting who we are. Dude, that's so powerful. That's so true. It's like the amount, the amount that we love ourselves and accept ourselves is the amount that we accept others and see that the good in them and the acceptance in them. And I, I find that too. It's like when I'm really hard on myself, fuck, of course I'm going to see that I'm going to be like that on other people. But when I can accept, hey, you know, it's all right. You know, you're, you don't, you're not perfect. You're where you're at, you know, and you really, really accept for who, the present moment of who you are and all the, all the bad and you release that shame and that guilt and you just sit there in, an, in a place of like, I'm done, I've done my best. I've done my best. That's where I feel like I have noticed more compassion for people, for other people around me, especially what's going on in the world right now. Mm. You know, there's so many angry people, but they're so angry within themselves. Yeah. It's like, everyone else has to fix, I have to, everybody else has to fix me. It's like, well, no, you have to start with yourself. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, you, you know, and people would say, but if you just accept yourself, then you're never going to grow. You're never going to change. You're never going to want to make, you're just going to sit and wallow in your shit. No, not, not at all. It reminds me of a story that Neil deGrasse Tyson shared about death. Mm. And he shared the story about death that imagine you could live forever. Imagine you knew you were never going to die. And versus knowing you're going to die. Like you, you know, you've got 80 years, 100 years, 120 years, 150 years, whatever it may be, Right. Would, if you knew you were never going to die, you were going to be immortal, would that motivate you to get things done? And most people would say, no, not really. I'm just going to do whatever. I'm not really going to want to achieve anything. I'm not going to do anything, right? Mm. But he's saying that if you have this notion that you're going to die, right, you know your life's going to end soon. You're going to be motivated and inspired to do things, to leave a legacy, to try and extend your life in whatever cultural, social, emotional way you can, whatever way you can, because you physically you're going to die. So really, death inspires us to be in the world. And I completely agree with that. And I want to take another perspective on that. Mm. If I knew I was to be immortal physically, I would say, and obviously I'm speaking hypothetically here, I'm projecting because I'm not physically immortal, I would say I would have an obligation, a duty, a fucking duty to be the best version of I, that I can. Knowing that I've got a thousand years, a million years, infinite fucking years, it doesn't matter, right? And you call it a thousand years to simplify. Say we could live for a thousand years as opposed to, you know, in infinity. That maybe is a bit too complex for us to, mm. to grasp. A thousand years, we can, yeah. we can sort of get that. 
right? That would inspire me to, to oh, I'm excited. I've got a thousand years. It, it doesn't change the fact that I want to create and be in the world. That is an internal mindset and, and a belief system that you form about how you want to be in the world. Accepting where we're at doesn't mean we become complacent. Mm. Let me just fucking say that one more time. Just because you accept and surrender to where you're at and you allow yourself to feel your feelings and be in the space that you're in, that doesn't mean you don't follow that up with action to shift, to transform, to transmute later. There isn't, complacency doesn't have to fit into that equation. That's your choice if you want to be complacent. Mm. It's got very little to do or should have very little to do with the acceptance of where you're at. The acceptance of where you're at creates a deeper sense of wholeness, which gives you the energetic, spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, psychological to create momentum in your life. That's what the surrendering and, and the acceptance does. It means that if I'm going to accept where I'm at, I don't have to keep coming from my past. I'm not going to keep numbing myself. I'm not going to keep distracting and avoiding that. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to move on. Mm. That's, that's, the, that's the opportunity we have as humans. But we've got to sit with the stuff mm. for a little. Yeah. It's people... People are more afraid to live because they're so lost in the fear. And if you knew, because I was trying to understand why people are so scared, especially with this virus, it's people are scared to die. People don't have a good relationship with death. That's, yes. that's the underlying issue. And yeah. if you imagine if people knew that they were going to live, how much more you would do because you knew you wouldn't die. People are so afraid to live their life because they're so wrapped up in the thought of dying and getting sick. It's so fucking crazy, man, when you think about it. How many people, that's their life. Is, it's like in sports. You know, you, you, you either play on offense or you play on defense, right? It's like if your whole life is, is defense, trying not to lose instead of trying to win, that's a shitty life. And I understand where people are at, but it's like, man, like that fear and just limiting yourself to do anything because you're scared to die is just, it's so sad, but it, you see it so often. You know, like it, everybody is so scared. Fear is destructive, man, if we allow it to... Yeah, if we allow it to consume us. Mm. Yeah, man. It's uh it's really it's really important to understand, you know, like why we're getting why we're scared of things. And I think, you know, more conversations like this about learning your shadow and really feeling it and understanding that <laughs> that darkness is all part of it. <laughs> like that getting okay with the darkness is okay, you know, and it get, is, is, is part of it. And yeah, man, I, I liked what you said about the acceptance, not being complacency. That's, that's key because a lot of people say that. Yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, I'm just going to accept this and not do anything. And that's not the idea. No, you need to do something. You need yeah. to take action. Action is the extension of our inner world without action. We, we don't, it's not about getting shit done without action. We're not defined. Mm. And so complacency is a choice generally vested in fear of change. 
And so we shift out of complacency by not being scared of change anymore. And guess what? That comes back to sitting with the stuff. Mm. When we sit with the stuff, we have an opportunity to realize that it's not all that daunting. Mm. So true. Dude, where can we find you and learn more about your work? Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, growwithsteph.com, S-T-E-F-G-R-O-W-W-I-T-H, S-T-E-F.com, growwithsteph.com. And that, that's not my main website, but that will, that's, there's a heap of free stuff there. You get to know a little bit about me, um, some of the courses and trainings and all that, that that are available. You can apply for coaching there as well. And just on social media, at Stefanos Safandos. And yeah, and you can sign up to my, um, to my email list as well on, on growwithsteph.com. Mm. Awesome, man. Powerful stuff. I always end with this last question I ask everybody when I remember. Out of all the challenges, struggles, adversity that you've gone through in your life, what is the one lesson that adversity has taught you? Be willing. Be willing to go to the places that are uncomfortable. Be willing to celebrate the self. Be willing to see myself in all my glory, be willing to own the disowned parts of me, be willing to delve into the shadow, be willing to experience the spectrum and the range that the human experience has to offer. Willingness is just, it's been a savior in my life and it's been a deep, deep, rich teacher. Mm. Love it, brother. Thank you so much, man, for what you do. You're just full of knowledge, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's funny because I was, I was following you before. And when you, when I saw you come on to, to FFS and come to Sedona, I was just like, fuck, this is awesome because your, your work is so powerful, bro. You know, I'm not just kissing your ass here. I'm telling it's powerful. And for dudes like, Thanks, for dudes like me that have lived, you know, the, the, you know, the alpha male, the athlete, the bartender, that really unhealthy and we didn't really get into the full masculine and feminine we may have to do it another time but yeah man that overly masculine that toxic masculinity in relationships and in life and to have someone like you that has that that's been through that and has resources like that and even on your instagram dude your videos are awesome and i highly encourage anybody to check you out so thank you for what you're doing man and i really really appreciate you coming on the show thank you brother i really appreciate you as well cheers man thanks everybody Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was powerful. Stefanos is a powerful dude. Great story. I can really resonate with it. And I hope you guys could too. We covered all the things, trauma, addiction, navigating through that, male sexual behavior, escaping the present moment through diversion and a new perspective on death. I hope you guys got value from this. If you did, please share this with a friend or leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated to see those reviews. And subscribe wherever you're listening to this we're also available on youtube you guys so if you do feel called to go watch this you can see us on there as well thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us today guys have a beautiful day